You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Are you a much richer man today, Cranky Fan? <laughs> uh, financially, I am. Uh, emotionally, no, because I just came back from another brutal Nick loss. So <laughs> the soul is getting darker every day after watching this horrible team. Um, to put it in terms you would probably get because you don't really follow the Knicks that much. You know how bad the Giants were at the end of every half, just, you know, giving up points and not doing anything? That's what this Knicks team is. They they blow games in the fourth quarter. Right before halves, they look terrible. It's the same sickness that's hitting all of my teams right now. And um, you know, we got rid of their coach with the Giants. I think it might be time to do that for the Knicks. So whenever we start the Just Knicks podcast, I will get into much more detail but none of you guys want to hear that let's talk about the Giants let's talk about the Super Bowl yeah man um and before we get into that this is this is our first episode since uh we had Patricia Traina on so all all of you who have just joined welcome thank you for joining everybody else who is seeing this for the first time you know just be sure to subscribe on our our YouTube channel is, is growing and we have a lot of really cool stuff lined up over the upcoming months beyond just the one interview with Patty so yeah welcome um, everybody <laughs> yeah um, Super Bowl, Rams 23, Bengals 20. Uh, I feel like I was like the only person who had literally nothing riding on this. Like I, I just, emotionally, I had no attachment to this game whatsoever. I was like the only Giant fan that didn't care. Yeah, I had I had a lot of opinions about it. A lot of, that I wasn't rooting for anybody. I was rooting against a lot of people. Um, <sighs> first of all you know obviously being a gator i hate georgia so there's no way i can root for matthew stafford you know i don't like joe burrow for a choosing lsu over florida beating florida and then talking trash about florida after so he's on my eternal shit list i do not like eli apple and i do not like odell beckham so not a lot for me to root for in this game. But, There's um, B.J. Hill and Michael Thomas. All right, well, congrats to them. <laughs> I'm glad they made it. But, uh, you know, I, I want to get into this a little bit. Um, you know, first, the game itself, it was exciting. I don't think it was very good, though. I mean, I think you can separate the two things, right? I mean, from a fourth quarter where it's a final drive and, you know, having the score in the final couple of minutes is exciting. But it really wasn't a very well-played game. I think a lot of people kind of underperformed especially the quarterbacks well i would i would say here's what i thought um that was a really good performance by cincinnati's defense um and a really poor performance by cincinnati's offensive line Mm -hmm. and that essentially culminated in a game where both teams barely got over 300 total yards of offense yeah but both quarterbacks were missing open guys I mean, it was, uh, it was a little bit. I mean, I'll say this much: if Matthew Stafford deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, then why was his pass so far behind Odell Beckham and literally tore his ACL? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, you know, he also, if he hits uh, a wide, wide open Van Jefferson in the back of mm. the end zone, you know, maybe it's not coming down to, you know, 
less time on the, on the clock and everything, and maybe I win some money uh, on DraftKings. <laughs> More importantly, by, by by betting on Van Jefferson getting it, you know, getting a touchdown in the game. But uh, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of. Well, I didn't think I didn't. First of all, let's say if the Bengals win this, won this game. Obviously, Joe Burrow winds up at the MVP because he's the quarterback. But really, who would you have given it to? If Cincinnati wins? Yeah, if Cincinnati won that game. Good question. I don't know. It's really hard to not say uh, Higgins, right? He had both touchdowns. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it was But one Jamar those... Chase, dude, is an animal. Mm-hmm. I... I, I... I would say close to a pretty dominant performance in the first half from Jamar Chase. The one-handed catch down the sideline from start to finish was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, do you think Cooper Cup should have been MVP on the other side? Uh, I think it's between him and Aaron Donald. I think you can make a pretty good um, case for either one of them. But I probably would have went Cup because it seemed like Cincinnati's defense was actually playing really well. So, like, you know, Aaron Donald eating up on Cincinnati's O-line is something I expect a lot more than what Cup did. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of that's, – that's where I land on it. But I think you can make a good case for Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. Uh, you touched on the – now, you know, the, the topic of the day is the – Matthew Stafford, should he be in the Hall of Fame or not? And, you know – I mean, I, I put him kind of in the same category as Eli Manning, where if Eli Manning only had one Super Bowl, I don't know. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. You know, the two makes it that special. And I, you know, I treat Super Bowls like the Richter scale, like each one is, you know, exponentially more important than the last one. I don't even so, think this was a Hall of Fame performance in the Super Bowl, man. Like, no. I get that he quarterbacked the team that won, and he didn't look bad out there. But, I mean, this was no they had 26 of 40 for under 300 yards. He threw three touchdowns. He threw two picks. One of them was really stupid. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, if, he, if this were his – if he had anything else on his resume to help back this up, like, we might talk about it. But, like, I don't even know how many playoff appearances dude has. I don't even know if he was ever the best quarterback in his own division. I think it was. I think this is his fourth uh, playoff year. I think. I think he made it three times with with the with the Lions before he reformed to the Rams. Um, but you're right. I mean, usually the MVP of the Super Bowl is the winning quarterback. Usually, so yeah. It, it's like to not be it means you really have to be playing pretty average. And I thought he was pretty average in it. I yeah, thought I thought he was, he was pretty average in it. He did. Yeah. I mean, like everyone's gonna show the highlight reel, the no look pass, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's like one play. It set up a touchdown, sure, but I mean, I don't know. I I think Cup went nuts. You know, just under a hundred yards receiving, but eight of ten, two touchdowns. He was pretty much uncoverable. But I guess if you're Eli Apple, everybody is kind of uncoverable. <laughs> yeah. He got his, you know, his just desserts, and you know something, <laughs> the hell with him. You know, this is the guy. Fuck him. And, no, seriously, like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this uh, crazy of a reaction if he didn't talk so much shit like leading up to this. I really wouldn't have because you know whatever. Yeah. It's not his fault where he was drafted. Sure, he's a baby. Whatever. He he was jettisoned out of here, and you know jettisoned. But but it's it's your mouth, it. bro. It's it's your mouth. If it was just the end of it, if you just got moved around because you couldn't hang, fine. But 
That wasn't it. And it's your mouth directed at giant fans. You know, it's, I don't recall, I mean, maybe because I'm getting old and senile, but do you remember uh, uh, the a reaction of the fans towards Eli Apple, like someone like Evan Ingram has gotten over the last year? Dude, way less than what Evan Ingram yeah. has gotten. But also, he has managed a feat that I'm not sure I've ever seen, where literally the whole NFL hates him. Yeah. It's insane how many people do not like him. They were clowning uh, him on the field like at the end of the game. Dude, everyone on Twitter, the universe hates Eli Apple. I don't understand. Like, well, The I only mean, other people who were hated so much were partly because they were really good, too. You know what I mean? Like Terrell Owens or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just think of it. The guy's got a mom who has got a, just as big of a mouth as he does and has to be opinionated about everything and has to defend her son all the time and it makes him look bad just again going after fans is kind of it's always know, gonna get yeah that's always gonna get you and the fact you, you talk a lot of trash and you sucked at the on the biggest stages he sucked in the playoffs he sucked in this game you know? I mean, has he ever not sucked he's never played up to his billing and that's okay that happens all the time there's a difference between not playing up to your billing and just being you know garbage yeah complete garbage i mean he was yeah. complete garbage uh, it, it is just insane to me how many people do not like him. And it's really difficult for me to think of any other player. Like, even like even people who have done things like Vontez Perfect, it feels like less people hated him. Mm-hmm. And Vontez I mean, Perfect intentionally hurts people. You know what I mean? But, but even there are guys like, if you want to go back even to Michael Vick, there were a lot of defenders of Michael Vick also. Sure. I mean, a lot of people hated him, you know, for what happened. But a lot of people defended him, too. I don't see many Eli Apple defenders out there, unless your last name is Apple. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I have no idea. That's that's pretty insane to me. But I was glad that he... That was the one thing I did feel good about, was that I just... I want to see this one thing. Like, I just need him to be toast, because he just... And he could have not even been a giant. He could have literally been drafted by some other team, and if he were talking this much shit and sucking this hard, I would be rooting just as hard against him. <laughs> That's my honest take there. A, a Los Angeles Ram that a lot of giant fans were rooting for, and I'm trying to understand why, is Odell Beckham. And I'm not at all talking about the injury. I mean, nobody wants anybody ever to get hurt. No, no. And that was awful. And, you know, this is still sports. This is not life or death. And, you know, you don't want to see these guys go down like that, and it's going to be a second potential major injury he's had. But put that aside for right now let's talk about giant fans where i don't understand the love that the giant fan still has for odell beckham i mean if it wasn't for odell beckham and his attitude and his you know personality and his just ambition and all this stuff there's a very good chance he'd still be a giant today and you know this is not the same scenario as Lion fans who kind of hopped aboard the, um, you know, the Ram bandwagon because they wanted Matt Stafford to win a, a Super Bowl. I mean, he played there for over a decade. Seems, even though he went to Georgia, seems like a pretty good guy. You know, they never won with him. It's kind of like Ray Bork when he played for Boston for all those years in hockey, and then he went to Colorado. They went to the finals, and half the city of Boston became Colorado Rocky fans, uh, Colorado uh, Avalanche fans. But you can understand you had a relationship with this guy, good guy, represented the team, and just moved on and had an opportunity. 
this is not the same scenario. So when I see all these things on Twitter of like, oh, we're to we're together blue with Odell and, you know, we're behind you. And it's like we won the Super Bowl wrong. Not not in the least. And I don't get that parallel. Why do you think the giant fan is still attached to this guy so much? Well, I agree with you in a, in a less passionate sense because I could give a lot less of a shit. Um, but we'll start with Matthew Stafford because it is not a comparison, but I think that's where it comes from is something similar to that. So with Matthew Stafford, he um, – where would you rank him among Detroit Lions quarterbacks all time? Number one, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got to be the Lane, best maybe one. number two yeah. and – Eric Hipple or something? I, I have no idea. I mean, really, he he is the best quarterback they've ever had, and they're an organization that ain't ever won shit, and they never feel like they're going to. <laughs> and so it's easy as a fan to feel bad for a guy who came in and did everything he could to try and win. And I mean everything. I have a lot of respect. I have no preconceived NCAA biases. So... Matthew Stafford to me is a guy. I mean, I don't really care one way or another, but I have to respect the dude who literally threw a, out his shoulder throwing a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, I think he might be is, – is he like the, the next toughest quarterback that we've seen besides like Roethlisberger and Eli? I mean, he's missed time. But, I mean, I don't know, man. He, he's got serious fucking balls. Yeah. And, and remember, he – he didn't demand a trade. He didn't, well, that's the thing. So here's he here's the difference. Agency. He was traded by ownership. This yeah, there's the difference. Is that he never, if it if anything happened, it was entirely behind closed doors to the point where it was never reported. But never complained. Never wanted to leave. Asked to leave. Appeared disgruntled. Did interviews where he complained about the organization and the direction and how happy he is there and anything like that. He got traded. And Rams fan, uh, uh, Lions fans have to deal with the fact that he got traded because there was a new coach. They're trying to do the best they can. They've got to move. Whatever the reason is, they made a decision for the future of the team. Mm-hmm. It's easy to root for that guy, always. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Odell Beckham is a bad guy and that he's hard to root for. But the situation is not the same. And I think some Giants fans view them similarly in that he's a guy who came here, had an immediate impact, is clearly talented, and the organization failed to build around him and get him a team to work with. Because when he was at his best here, it did feel like he was the entire offense. But that's actually not really the same or even true. I mean, they invested a second contract in him, and it was really only because of his attitude, it would right. seem, only because of the outward negativity and the toxicity and negative PR that he brought the organization that he ended up getting traded. I don't think that they ever wanted to move on from him in a talent standpoint or even even as a guy standpoint. I mean, I, people I, like Jordan Renan always say that Odell has tons of fans in the Giants' front office. That he, they are still very friendly. It wasn't really a personal thing. So it's not the same. Agree. I completely agree with Gettleman saying we didn't sign him just to trade him. I, I firmly believe that. I yeah, really I do that too. I mean, they that said that before the Lil Wayne interview. Right. 
I think that was a very, very big part of it. I think this is an organization that is very loyal and I think also demands loyalty back. And I think that was a, a, a form of treachery, what he did, you know, basically throwing, you know, throwing his quarterback under the bus and just not, not being aligned with, you know, keeping everything in-house, whatever he was thinking. And to do it in that way was just that it doesn't seem like as much on the outside, but I think in the inside it means a whole heck of a lot. I, I just think there are certain Giant fans that view Odell Beckham's departure as he yeah, as the wrong side winning out of the, yeah. the, the 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 clueless and you know the fumbling bumbling GM stays and he goes. The you know what I mean? And, and, never... and I understand that, but there is more. It, it does. It's not as clean cut. It's not as black and white. It's not really the same. And not for nothing. But Beckham, and again, I don't actually care. I wasn't rooting for or against him. I don't really give a shit. But he ended up having to do the same thing in Cleveland. So it's not as if the the team was holding him back. His contribution to the Rams was what, like a month and a half? Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, also, he was clearly the second fiddle in that offense. Cooper Cup is, you know, oh, I mean, head and shoulder. But I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like from a from a talent standpoint. I I have almost nothing bad to say about Odell Beckham <laughs> from well, a talent standpoint. There's a bigger thing, Grump, going on here, and this is a bigger a bigger concern, I think, that the giant organization has to have. That, And it's the same thing with the Knicks. I'm going to use this parallel to Carmelo Anthony. And all you, you know, crossover giant fans or also Knicks fans might be able to relate to this. Carmelo Anthony is still extremely popular with this Nick fan base because the Knicks have sucked for 20 years. And for a lot of people in that age bracket from like, I don't know, 15 to 25, to, you know, 15 to 30, he's all they've had to cheer for. The team hasn't won in God knows how long. They've been awful. They've only made the playoffs twice in 20 years. And there is this one guy that they can latch on to. He's a great scorer. You know, one of the, he's very one of the 75 best players of all time. That's always going to be their guy. And they're going to ignore all the things of not being clutch and how he got coaches fired and how he ultimately demanded a trade out and all these different things. But that's his guy. How does this relate to the Giants? It's now been a decade since this team has been relevant. And really, I mean, I can make a case that the brightest spot in that last 10 years has been having Odell Beckham on this team, having that personality, having the amazing catch, having, you know, what the tape he put on, on, on the field for the, the years he was here. And I think a lot of giant fans that are, you know, again, the giants are in the super bowl. It was 10 years ago. So if you're, if you're in college now, do you even remember the, really the super bowl? So you, your life has been kind of, Watching garbage, and exception of that one guy. So he's always going to be your guy. And that's a problem that the Giants are going to have to face going forward is they're losing, as they did when I was growing up in the you know late 70s, early 80s, losing another generation of potential fans hmm. that are not going to become Giant fans. And that's going to impact this team potentially. You know, God forbid the Jets ever get good or, you know, the more, you know, the access you have to watching every NFL game every week that you don't have to be a giant fan just because you live here. 
So I think that's an, another part of the reason why Odell is, you know, still thought of it as my guy by a lot of Giant fans, and that's why a lot of people. You're, you're absolutely right because you're hitting the demographic right on the head. Mm-hmm. Kids that are I mean, 23, you know, what, what was it? 20, 2014 was really his rookie season. So if they're 23 years old, that was what? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you're, you're going back. They were young. They were the most impressionable people, and the yeah. hair, and you know, whatever. Bill Sims means nothing to a 23 year old. You know, Bill Parcells could be Curly Lambo for all they know. Doesn't but you're right too, because it it it's also an a time of kids' lives. Where, first of all, they're it, it's easy to be caught up in something else. It's easy to be apathetic about this team because they are mm-hmm. suck, and you have so much other shit going on in your life, socially, college, whatever. And then, you know, why, with your free time, watch this team that's absolutely terrible when you have access to the entire league whenever and wherever you want? So I think yeah. you're right, and, and I think... I think this team has lost a generation of fans. There's not, unless your family is diehards, I mean... I don't know why you would be a giant fan if you were like 22 years old right now. Yeah, I mean, it's safe to say if you're listening to this show or you listen to any the other podcasts or anything, you're hooked. You're a giant fan. We're not worried about you. No, I'm worried about. I'm worried about who I have to sit next to at the stadium. That's true. I mean, it, you might, yeah. I mean, one of the biggest be... problems there is that half this fan base is ancient. Mm-hmm. Is that not really kind of a problem? Sure, it's a massive problem. I mean, I mean, I view it as a problem, but the, I mean, I don't view myself as old, but I'm kind of in the middle now, almost. But it, I should be in the middle, but I'm not. I'm on the young side because well, half the people in there are 90 years old. Well, I think it's not as much of a problem today because it is an older fan base that's season ticket holders. But having a PSL kind of locks you in. I mean, the turnover is going to be very low. That's true. Um, the problem is going to be when this generation, you know, the older generation than me even, they start getting older and they stop going to games because they're getting too old and they pass away. And their heirs, like their kids and their kids' kids who may not be the – They don't give a fuck. Just they don't care them. as much. And also think about it too. It's like pre-PSLs in the old Giant Stadium, people had 12 season tickets, 14, 20. The whole family, the whole block all went together. They all tailgated. New stadium opens, PSL every seat. Yeah. You know, people went from 12 tickets to four and two. You lost that communal experience, that family experience that you used to have. And then when, you know, know, the the, the, the patriarch or the matriarch of the family stops going because they're too old or they pass away. You know, you don't have that link anymore that you did in the – you know the 70s 80s and 90s in the beginning part of the of the century so it, it is going to be a major major problem for this team if they if they continue to remain irrelevant and boring and faceless and beckham did give this team a face for a while whether for good or for bad he was definitely the face one of the five faces of this league probably probably the the biggest face for someone that wasn't on, on a team that was kind of irrelevant but we don't have that Conspiracy cranky, I need you. I need get get your hat. Yes. Um, uh, is it is it possible now that Dave Gettleman always did intend to trade Odell Beckham, and that's why he drafted a potential new face in Saquon Barkley? Was it that much more important? 
We're going to the upper echelons of conspiracy on purpose. I don't think the two were related. I definitely think now I have my conspiracy hat on. uh, I definitely think that Barkley was drafted in part to be a face. Right. Yeah. I I, I mean. But not the replacement face. Not the replacement. Uh, I don't think they wanted to. I I just think that the the cons outweighed the pros for having Beckham on this team. I, I, I. this is just so happens to get opportunity with a guy like Barkley that, you know, it's also it's kind of strange because he never appeared to me to be the face of college football in any stretch. I mean, he was never... Kind of the a, face of the a, Big Ten. Was he? I mean, what, when was it, yeah. three, four years ago? You're talking, you know, all the quarterbacks that Ohio State had and, you know, in, in um, Michigan. You know, I Who did they have? They had fucking Haskins? That Haskins, who you know, won a national title, didn't he? I mean, these are guys who are much bigger. I, I mean, I never, I never, I never saw him in college. It's like, wow, this is going to be one. Of the, I knew he was really good, obviously. Like this guy's going to be a stud in the NFL, but I never thought he'd be like a transcendent personality. Like, oh, this guy's going to be on a ton of commercials, and this guy's going to be, you know, on Dancing with the Stars and, and that that type of guy. I never struck him as being, but you know, Gettleman thought that, and I really think that was part of. His decision making on do I drop this guy or not? All right, let's move on. Please uh, hit me with the halftime show take. You got one? I do. I'm taking conspiracy hat off because it's very hot in here. Um, I, I, I think everybody's opinion on it fell into the basic cliches of you know boomer versus millennial, and <laughs> it's and also like I either just because I like them. It's the greatest halftime show I ever saw, or I don't like rap. This is the worst bunch of garbage I ever saw. I think multiple things can be true. Sure. I can like Dre and Eminem and and 50 Cent and all these guys, and also think that's kind of a meh halftime show. It certainly was not the best of all time. No, I I wouldn't say that. I mean, basically, if you told me what will the halftime show be like, I pretty much would have told you exactly almost the order the people would come out, the songs they would do, maybe would guess who, it wasn't that hard to make the guess who that surprise guess would be. It was either going to be 50 Cent or Ice Cube, right? Only logical ones, really. Unless Beyonce would run out to make yeah, her. Yeah, Ice Cube her is a bit of a tough sell, I think. Yeah, but I mean, there was nothing about it that really stood out. It's like, and in five years, you say, what was the standout moment of that? I mean, there was no Prince doing Purple Rain in, in the rain in Miami. You know, there was no, like, you know, even someone like The Weeknd or something where he had this amazing visual, like how they had it all set up last year in Tampa. I mean, I thought it was, it was fine. I mean, I would love to have a webcam in my parents' house to see what they thought of it. They probably were sick. That, but that's not their cup of tea. But I, I just don't think simply because – just because it was Eminem and just because it was Dre, it was the best thing ever. It was – Fine. I, 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 yeah, I have, I have a very less spicy take. It's just, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> the yeah, end. I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't think it was crazy. Also, could have done without Fifty Cent looking like a ham hanging upside down. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean, who am I to talk shit? He looked good at one point, so he's already got one up on me anyway. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of don't really care about Fifty Cent. But otherwise, it was, it was an entertaining. If that were a concert, 
You know what I mean? I would have been like, that was cool. Fine. Yeah, can we just Whatever. enjoy things that happen to having to rank everyone? It's the best. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to rank it. How about that? I enjoyed it. I didn't yeah. feel the need to leave. That's actually the, the fucking bar for me at halftime shows. So Because, look, I was at the Super Bowl, the one in Tampa, when we lost to Baltimore. And it was like Britney Spears and Aerosmith and NSYNC. And I went to the bathroom. Because, you know, sure. something here's here's a little secret. During the halftime show at Super Bowls, there's no lines in the bathroom. No lines for concessions. It's great. You go and it's long. It's like an, It's like isn't it like 20 an minutes? Long. Oh, no it's, way. Is it really? I think it's like 40 minutes. It's it's ridiculously long. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was I had to sit through that garbage. I had to sit through a terrible Madonna one for the one in Indy. Petty was you, pretty You good. got Petty. Come on. Petty was good. But the problem is also if you're in the stadium, it the doesn't sounds like help. shit, yeah. Especially Arizona, Indianapolis, or domes. So you're going to get that echoey sound. And it's just, you know, Madonna's awful voice was bouncing off every wall and everything. And, you know, if you're not looking directly <laughs> at it, it's just, it's not good if you're there. It's made for TV. But, you know, it was, it was fine. It was good. You know, I, I, I enjoyed yeah, Dude, I, that, that was really it. I, I sat back and I was like, huh, that was good. Nice. I mean, the NFL has a real problem. It's like everybody loves the NFL, so you're not going to make everybody happy all the time. And I think that the the folly is trying to. I, like mm-hmm. that, that weird thing of like Bruno Mars and then Red Hot Chili Peppers come out. Like they don't mix well on – like they just don't. Like it sounds bad and you've just made – in your attempt to – appease everybody you've just displeased everybody it's well, just it's very silly so this i thought was a perfect lineup for a super bowl in la and therefore i and, yep. and it was enjoyable agreed yeah nothing more uh, nothing less I, I i'm i'm stupid the the ground that was just like a bird's eye view of la right or like the city That's lights correct. Okay. Yes, all right. All right. I assumed correctly. All right. <laughs> moving on from the Super Bowl, we're gonna hit you with some Giants news to close this one out. Unless you had anything else on the Super Bowl, anything? Uh, no. I mean, thanks to uh, thanks to DraftKings, I ended up making money. I <laughs> nice. <laughs> I did not. Uh, I was wrong. I did not. Uh, I had the Rams covering. They did not. I had the under. That worked. Whole bunch of prop bets I hit. A bunch I did not. It would have been nice if Van Jefferson had a catch in the end zone. It would have been nice if, if McPherson had another field goal. But uh, all in all, made money. So the Giants aren't in it. Let's make my wallet a little fatter. And I did. Nice. Um, I didn't win anything. Um, the Giants did release their final coaching staff, though. So I'm just going to kind of run through that. As a disclaimer, I don't really – I'm not going to pretend – that I know a lot about position coaches or even the level of impact each position coach has. Uh, you know, I, so I'm just going to kind of list off who they are and what people are saying about them and where they're from. Uh, mm-hmm. With the exception of O-line coach, I think is one of the most important position coaches in football. I would say it might even be more important than, I don't know. If you've got a if you've got an offensive minded head coach, it might be even more important than your fucking offensive coordinator. But mm. I digress. So O line coach, QB coach, those ones are really really important. Um, other than that, I don't really have a strong opinion about any of the position coaches. But just jumping into this, Brian Dable, obviously head coach. Mike Kafka is our offensive coordinator. Uh, we we grabbed Shea Tierney from Buffalo, who was formerly the quarter the quarterback assistant coach. He is now our quarterbacks coach. 
We also stole Bobby Johnson, who was their offensive line coach, um, and then hired Tony Sperano Jr. from Carolina. He was their offensive line assistant. He is now Bobby Johnson's assistant. Um, is that Tony? Is that Tony Sperano's son? So is Tony Sperano Sr. the the former head coach of Miami and his I, son? I made that assumption actually, and never actually checked it out. I'm gonna do that right now, and I don't really, uh, I don't really care if this is a bad watch or not. Sperano. Want <laughs> <laughs> to hear me rant about the Knicks for another thirty seconds while we're killing time? Or <laughs> let's see. I think I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. The, so, yes, yes, he is. Confirmed. Okay. Cool. All right, cool. So, anyway, moving on. Andy Bischoff, they got from Houston. He is their tight ends coach. That's what he was there. We got Mike Grow, not Mike Rowe, like Dirty Jobs Mike Rowe, but Mike Grow, G R O H. He. Al Grow's son. Uh, is it? I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, wide receivers coach. He was formerly Indianapolis's wide receivers coach. He was also formerly the Eagles' offensive coordinator. So, guy with some chops. DeAndre Smith as a running backs coach. He's a Texas Tech running backs coach. Um, and Christian Jones as our offensive assistant. On the defensive side of the ball, Wink Martindale, obviously huge hire from the Ravens. Um, all right, the Vandy linebackers coach. <laughs> now our inside linebackers coach. I'm going to do my best. John Igorogwu. Igorogwu. Something like that. I, I did my best. He was Van, Vanderbilt's linebackers coach. He is now our inside linebackers coach. Drew Wilkins was formerly Baltimore's outside linebackers coach as our outside linebackers coach. He was described kind of as Wink Martindale's right-hand man, was being tapped for... Uh, Defensive coordinator positions. I think actually at Baltimore, we're looking at him to be promoted to that. He decided to come with Wink Martindale here, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Jerome Henderson is being retained as DB's coach. Same with Michael Trier, who's the assistant. Andre Patterson is coming from Minnesota to be our D-line coach, where he was the defensive line coach. He was also a co-defensive coordinator and the head coach's assistant. If you listen to the guy speak, he sounds like a head coach. He will be a coach at some day. I mean, he really does. When you listen to these guys, some guys you can tell have it. You know what I mean? He yeah. has it. Mike, um, uh, Mike Groh is Al Groh's son, by the way. Former former Jet coach, former Virginia head coach, and he played at Virginia, so that's the link. Oh, nice. Um, and that's it. I, people are kind of raving about this coaching staff. I am going to grade it entirely based on the head coach and O-line coach and then the two coordinators and say I feel pretty good about it. Um, all these other things in between, you know, I, I, I may like them, but I don't know how much of an impact they're going to have. You know, if if Wink Martindale ends up calling a bad defense, I don't know how much it's going to matter that Drew Wilkins is our outside linebackers coach. You know what I mean? I think it usually comes down to the philosophy and the main coaches. And I think also... Um... It's hard to squeeze water from a rock. You know, talent is very important too. You know, you can be the best, you know, uh, linebacker coach, but if you have inferior talent at linebacker, for example, does it really matter? So I think having good position coaches is important to help with technique and all those different things, but, you know, you have to have the talent and players have to play too. So it's a combination of the two things. 
Yeah. Having a good linebacker coach doesn't guarantee that also you're going to get stellar linebacker play if you don't have the players. And that and and that's going to come down to Brian Dayball working closely with Joe Shane and obtaining those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and, and it's it's all new. All these things are new. So. And we try it all to, works. And we try to level set on this show and set expectations and just always keep in mind this GM, this head coach, coordinators, position coaches, whatever, were not brought in because of this roster as of the second week in February. No, the this is a big long term move here. This is a huge switch of gears. The expectation is they will be upgrades at every single position on this roster going forward. And who they're coaching in 90 days, three months, two years, four years will be different than right now. So if you see in week one, week three, week six, end of year one results that, you know, you thought when we won the offseason because we had this coaching staff, don't assume, well, another year, you know, Giants are doing nothing. They got to get their players, too. So just keep that in mind that this is the beginning of a process. We're not done because we hired a coaching staff. We're just getting started. Yeah, this might be a little bit of a K-turn where you kind of got to reverse first before you go forward. Um, we'll see. Uh, it depends on how, how swift we can be and how much we can hit right away. Um, mm-hmm. I just, so I'm, not, I'm not setting my expectations super high. I mean, I, I was kind of sold on the previous coaching staff because of the amount of experience being brought in and, and everybody else was kind of hyping that up. And now the tune was, oh, well, he just kind of brought in his friends and people he's already worked with. And like, I don't really remembering a whole lot of hearing that when it was happening. And, that doesn't, and for the record, that didn't bother me then and it still doesn't bother me now. Yeah, I'm, it not doesn't, gonna, it, I'm not criticizing the former staff for doing that. I think, you know... I think that's you a way you can go. You know, especially when you're a first-time coach and you're trying to, you're trying to make that transition as easy as possible. I mean, you want to bring in guys that you know you have some sort of relationship with, whether you work with them or know them well or whatever, and also they come from successful programs and they've proven they've done the job. I mean, it's not like they're bringing their friends, like, you know, the guy who's a construction worker who's his yeah. best friend. Hey, you want to be the uh, defensive coordinator? <laughs> You're my best buddy. Yeah, a lot of these guys were like former head coaches. Mm-hmm. Like like Freddie Kitchens being brought in just to coach tight ends. Okay, so they had this common link in the past, so they're buddies. But also, Freddie Kitchens on his own became a head coach. Whether that was a smart move or not, or, or whatever, an offensive coordinator. I think he was an interim head coach at one point or something like that. I but, believe so, yeah. Um, you know, he did that on his own merits. That had nothing to do with their relationship. So, like, when I heard about it, I was like, wow, that's that's fantastic. He's got all this former, you know, people who have done more than him. He's got that experience around him. He can bounce things up. They can handle more than the normal position coach or whatever. I thought that was a good idea. I don't remember hearing people being like, he's just kind of bringing in his friends and people that he works with. This doesn't seem like a good staff. No, I mean, maybe it happened and I just that. don't remember that, but whatever. So when I look at this one and people are saying that this is crazy good, I see a first-time GM, a first-time head coach, a first-time mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, a first-time quarterbacks coach. So these may be good hires and they sound like good hires, but I'm not going to sit here and get super stoked over it. I'm, I'm going to – I need to see some stuff here. I need to mm-hmm. – I, I think that Brian Dable can be a good head coach and have Mike Kafka run his offense and call plays. I believe that that is a thing that can happen. But if it falls apart, I'm not going to sit here and act shocked. I mean, this is a very 
serious chance that Mike Kafka can't call plays. He's literally my age, and I, I mean, can barely so many, get dressed and get out the door. There's so many factors on you know what makes a successful program or not. I mean, you miss at the quarterback spot that sets you back. You know, significant injury here, here, and here sets you back. Sure. You know, uh, a draft pick that busts sets you back. You know, so it's got nothing to do with. You know the competency of the head coach, or who his, uh, you know, his staff is, or the price of tea in China. It doesn't matter. It just he, luck plays a part, and timing plays a part. And the Giants, for the last several years, have had a very bad run of luck with injuries and timing of things that didn't work out. And you know that's where we are. I mean, it's if you hire Joe Judge again as a head coach at some other situation. And hires the same head coaches. Maybe they're successful. We, we don't know. It's, you know, it, 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 that's why it, I I get frustrated with fans who think they have the answers, and it's oh, it's simple because this guy sucked. Well, yes, yeah. there, maybe, there are but, very few circumstances okay. where there was one reason things didn't work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly, I'm with you. I've got no more takes. I'm out of takes. I'm uh, I am just I'm spent. It was a fun weekend. Uh, Super Bowl, I have, you know, unfortunately another Nick game to go to this week and uh, to see my Tampa Bay Super Bowl. Uh, I have so many championships. Stanley Cup champion Lightning playing in uh, Newark tomorrow, but we have another show this week. So Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm also, I'm still, I'm recovering. And well, I'm doing a lot of work. I'm doing a lot of work for this show. There mm. is a lot of new stuff coming up that's awesome and I'm really excited for. So I do want to thank everybody new that joined and subscribed to this bunch of new people here thank you yeah um and and stick around i guess is the best thing i can say is that we do have a lot more cool stuff coming up um, we have more chalk talk we have more guest stuff coming up and we have a lot a lot a lot of draft content to get through in a very short amount of time so hey. you're going to increasingly see me look more and more like shit hey, as we you go know, through this did you know in a couple of months the draft is coming up oh yeah and i have yeah. to cover some usfl stuff too <laughs> I'm excited. That's after the draft, though. Convenient. Very, very smart. So in the offseason, this show duplicates as the Just General show or um, Just I don't know. I, I think I just kind of want to watch the USFL for its enjoyment because, you know, watching a lot of football stuff. Like, watching the Super Bowl was one of the first time. Like, this, this playoff series, I guess, was not even. It was really just the Super Bowl because there was not really a ton of giant stuff going on. Uh it was the first time I could literally just sit back and watch football and not even think about this episode or what I had to talk about. I could just watch. And uh, that was enjoyable. So even if the USFL sucks, at least I can do that. You know what I mean? Super Bowl hasn't been over yet for 26 hours. He's already jonesing for more football. He's not the grump for nothing, folks. <laughs> not at all. Um, but I do want to say thank you to everybody who who joined and to continue following us. Uh, I, I'm very active on Twitter, and he is as well. Uh, our names are right down there, at football underscore grump, at the cranky fan. And if you're not into the YouTube thing but subscribed anyway, you are the best. But you can also follow this, uh, you know, just the audio on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, wherever you normally listen to podcasts. And if you know, subscribe there as well, and if you could give us a five-star rating and a nice – Review on whatever platform you you get the the podcast from. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, it was great, you know, having this last episode on YouTube. Lots of comments, lots of questions. And it was fun interacting with people on there. So you know, the more comments you leave, the more we can interact with you. And we have some you know big things planning for the off season 
uh, to get more involved with um, our listeners and viewers and stuff. So it's just stay tuned for that. Stick around. Yeah. All right, everyone. That's going to do it for this one. Go, Go Giants. Giants.